Blog Talk Radio. Ah. Ah. There's no easy way of knowing ah. which direction right. we are going. Fade this sucker in there the right way. There's no easy way of knowing. Good <laughs> man is on fire. Which direction we are going? We have reached a tipping point. annual for the love of promos episode and we're also going to be interviewing the returning j-rod so i'm pumped up about this show and i know another man who is the greatest the legend the man with who's going to get all the accolades this saturday at the landmark arena larry goodman how you doing larry i'm doing fine actually that hall of fame thing's a week from saturday Oh, it's a week from Saturday. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, I feel very, I mean, honored doesn't begin to say, you know, I mean, that uh, they're going to put me in a Hall of Fame out there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're so, the yeah, only I'm one being inducted. It's all you, yeah, baby. Well, yeah, so there's my, you know, when that when things didn't pan out because of the pandemic last year and, all for, and so forth, I think they decided to do them individually, and I guess I'm the first individual from the group that's going to happen. So, wonder, you know. Let's be real, Larry. Let's be real. A disaster happened at Hardcore Hell. The end of that show was a disaster, and they knew they needed to shore up their reputation. They needed to make sure there were butts in the seats, and they knew the only person who could do that was Larry Goodman. (laughs) That's right. They're going to turn out... See me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, geez. And they're going to make sure for... your speech is less than two minutes long. They're going to WWE you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know we're going to jump right into these uh, promos real here, real quick. I see we have already somebody in the green room now, which I'm uh, excited to hear what he's got to say. A couple of quick tidbits before we do that. I, I enjoyed Rob Rod's uh, top ten tag team stable list. And um, one thing that jumped out in there, boy, Southern Honor dominated that list. They did not; they were not at the top of the list, but they had three teams on the list, and all the all the honorable mention people were people that have worked there. So I, I had not thought about them as a bastion of tag teams, but when you look at it on paper, yeah, they are. Yeah, um, that was I thought a very interesting thing to point out. Absolutely, yeah, Southern Honor, and I mean, uh, I just released it, but wait, there's more where I talk about the triumph of that Southern Honor show and what that mm-hmm. means as far as the makeup of wrestling in Georgia. And uh, that's one of the stories. The other ones, of course, is the Johnny Slaughter. <laughs> the yeah. man that sneaked Johnny Slaughter back under that, you know, Victory Championship wrestling show. 
and a guy that I would call the new Dave Meltzer, um, who I, who I get his newsletter and it's fantastic, Larry. So we'll we'll talk more about him at another gap. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and a couple a couple other uh, things we talked a, a few weeks ago about David Marquez coming to Georgia. Yeah, uh, and bringing his uh, TV show, doing TV taping here. Uh, a couple things I learned about that. One, you know, he, he the areas he goes in, he partners up with somebody or somebodies in each of these uh, ventures. Uh, rumor has it that his partner in Georgia is Zicky Dice, um, mm. and that the show is going to go on Peachtree Seventeen which is one of those digital channels that's associated now. Well, this station's been sold a couple times. Um, it was the old Superstation back when uh, Turner owned it, Channel 17, WTCG. But now it's known as Peachtree, Peachtree TV, and I don't know who watches these. Well, I, I take it back. It's digital, but it's also on regular TV. I, I look to see. Yeah, it's on regular TV, too, at least on my cable system. Okay. So um, we'll see what when that actually shakes out, but that's that's the rumor. Hmm. And I saw where AWE had gotten a great response to their Jimmy Rave tournament thing, that they had gotten 50 people who submitted for entry into the tournament. So wow. they're going to have their work cut out for them, um, whittling that down to 16, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, interesting that that's coupled with them saying they're no longer going to do live events. They're going to do the tournaments for TV, but they're not going to do live events anymore. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So we'll, well, we'll see how that plays. And they did drop not, another episode of their live uh, event. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, they're not doing live events. I mean, if you're not doing live events, it's one thing. I mean, especially because we're talking about promos today, and we're going to have these great promos. I think that there's an element that is lost, because then promos don't do what they're supposed to do, right? They're just talking. And promos are meant to promote something to get people to want to come and see something live. And uh, what does a promo mean on a show that doesn't have a crowd? Yeah, well, so. you know, I, I, you know, I, the plan for the rave classic thing was to have the Patreons attend. So I don't know how many Patreons a um, we has. I guess we shall see. Yeah. Shall we bring on promo promo oh, man absolutely. number one? Mm-hmm. And we're uh, honored to have this man with us, one of the greatest promo guys in Georgia wrestling history. We're joined now by Jeff G. Bailey. Welcome, sir. Yeah, that's that's in history, period. But okay, <laughs> forgive it. Absolutely, Jeff. Of course, Plus, we wanted to start yeah. off with the best of the best, baby. We want to start off with the best of the best. Um, what's what's well, the promo that you got for us? The last time. Last time was a promo that that really influenced me as far as being a wrestling manager and a talker in wrestling. This time, I just picked a promo that I really like, that I think is really fun. Um, 
1986 is one of the greatest years in the history of professional wrestling, and it's a year that uh, I attended probably more wrestling shows than than any other year that I that I went to wrestling, and it's uh, a lot of great stuff that year. The Bash '86 and Starcade '86 in particular, which uh, peaked out the uh, the last moments of the three and a half year feud between the Boogeyman, Jimmy Valiant, and Paul Jones and his army. And uh, over that summer, I had the opportunity to see Shaska Watley get his head shaved by Jimmy Valiant and then see Jimmy Valiant get his head shaved by Paul Jones. And after that happened, this is the defeated man promo that Jimmy Valiant does as he has nothing else left to offer Paul Jones. However, at the end of the promo, he will be rescued by Big Mama, and he will have things to offer Paul Jones. So I'm going to read the promo as it was done, and I'll even give you the bonus Big Mama lines at the end. But... uh, Let me set the scene. It's a street corner in a rundown part of town. The boogeyman is a defeated man. He's sitting on a peach crate surrounded by a bunch of empty Schlitz malt liquor bull cans with his harmonica in hand. Manish boy is playing in the background as the boogeyman looks up to the camera to talk to all his peoples. And this is how the promo goes. Yo, Boogeyman is down in the dirt in hell. I don't know what hurt me more. Losing the hair on my head to Paul Jones. Are losing my blood, Willie, Willie, to Paul Jones. The raging bull, Manny Fernandez. Nobody, nobody knows how tight we were. You see, we were both in Nam. Paul Jones, you scarred my soul for life. I have nothing more to offer. I want to thank all my peoples for supporting your boogeyman. God only knows your boogeyman loves you all. At this moment, Boogie pulls his harmonica out of his booth and starts to play as a station wagon covered in flames pulls up and Big Mama jumps out to help the boogeyman. And she says, Boogie, let's go, baby. Let's go party. Come on. Let's get out of this dump. You can do it, baby. And she helps the boogeyman into the flame-encrusted station wagon 
and off they drive, and we find out that Big Mama is willing to put her hair on the line so the boogeyman can get one more shot at Paul Jones' hair. <laughs> so, so Jeff, as a guy who was going to wrestling shows, when you saw that promo for the first time, if you can recollect, what was your take? What was your feeling? Oh, I can definitely recollect because it's a Starcade 86 control center. So it was the big thing you're waiting for on the show. They're going to announce, you know, the next match upcoming for Starcade. So, I mean, I was incredibly excited. I was in Greensboro to see the boogeyman get his head shaved bald. And if you've ever seen the footage of that, he's covered in sweat. He's on his hands and knees. He's been humiliated and had his head shaved. And he's scraping all his hair up into a pile. And then he starts to try and put some of it on top of his sweaty, bald head. It's, it's just this most magnificent humiliation and to know that that was going to happen to Paul Jones, I was very excited. I uh, The Starcade 86, I was going to do a promo from that because 86 really is that great year. And I wanted to do the match that sold me, which was the Road Warriors Night of the Skywalkers promo. But I can't sit here and yell and do Hawk and Animal and talk tomorrow. So you'll just have to go watch that one on YouTube and appreciate those guys doing it. Because it's it to me, it's one of the best things ever in wrestling. Like, I saw that thing, and I was uh, on the phone the second tickets went on sale for Starcade 86. And uh, I got a front row ticket. So. Nice. Uh, Walker. Boogie. Finally shaving Paul Jones' head. Those were uh, those were the great things. Paul Jones got his head shaved in Greensboro, and I was in Atlanta, so we had to see it on the big screen. There was one match I could have moved to Atlanta. It would have been that one because I wish I could have seen the last head shaving of the trilogy. But uh, at least I was there for the first two. <laughs> you know when we when we talk about promos, Jeff and I talk about promos all the freaking time. When we talk about promos, um, I, I mean, there's Jeff does this, and I think I do this too, which is we kind of lament that we think that maybe for the new guys, promos just aren't as important. Jeff, I know you've thought about this. I've thought about it. Larry's thought about it. Do you think that that's true? Do you think the promo is it going through a renaissance? Is it dying? Or what's the, what's, the, what's the current state of the promo for you, you think? I mean, when, when you started talking about this show, I realized that with the young guys, they've grown up on wrestling that's very dramatically different from the wrestling we grew up on. And they don't have the two-minute burst of promo to sell a show, to sell a match. They have these 20-minute talkathons of people trying to memorize a script out there. So it's, it's a completely different thing. But then you see something like Eddie Kingston and you go, mm-hmm. oh, my God, there's somebody doing a wrestling promo at the highest level. And, you know, it, it gives you hope. So there's the, 
the hope of my God, there's these Eddie Kingston promos that are as good as any promos that have ever been cut in wrestling. And then there's these 20 minute soliloquies of memorized script, which I think most everybody would agree is complete shit. I mean, is any of those things memorable to anyone and who would want to try and recite some 20 minute crap? I mean, so I think, um, the promo was a bit of a lost art, but, uh, never going away because there's always going to be guys getting into wrestling who can talk and they're going to realize this is how I stand out. I mean, Eddie Kingston got that job on his talk and he came out and cut that promo on Cody and Twitter lit up and said, oh my God, give this guy a job. This is incredible. Yeah. And, and now he's one of the best things on the show. So, mm-hmm. I mean, power of the promo. And locally, I mean, Without Matt Hankins does a lot of great stuff, and people some people know every great thing that he does. But at the heart of it, I don't think that Matt Hankins' engine runs. I don't think that whole machine works if he could not cut a hellified good promo. I think that's the core of that's Matt Hankins' credibility and justification, right? The people don't think, oh, Matt Hankins, he was just some fan who drove the guys around, that's how he got in. When people think Matt Hankins, they think that's a guy that can deliver on the mic, right? And in that building, in Landmark and all that, you have to be able to be the guy, you have to be able to live up some kind of legacy. And to me, that's about cutting a promo. Um, You know, that's where his power lies. Is there anybody else whose power lies in the promo um, on the level of Matt Hankins right now in Georgia? I'm trying to think. I I can't think of anybody who's got that level of creativity time in and time out. You know, um, he's always got something good. I'm trying to think, too, who else would be um, up there with him right now? AC Mack has the confidence mm. and the presence yes. on the microphone. Yes. He doesn't always have a lot to say but he says it and delivers it in such a forceful and commanding way that it's good. I mean, he needs to have a little more, you know, verbiage that actually says something beyond hush, but he does hush very well. I mean, so uh, I would put him in the the upper tier of of talkers. When it comes to delivery. I mean, I don't see as much as Larry does, so I'm sure he would have a better take on who's hot out there right now. I mean, Joe Black, obviously, is a fantastic talker. I always enjoy watching Joe promo. The the other mm-hmm. one that comes to mind of a completely different type is Suge D. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a real good promo, but of a very, yeah, of a very different style. And then, of course, the return of Dan back to the promo thing. I'm hoping that helps yeah. spur more people into being very excited about a promo because I mean, other managers besides Hankins and Dan, I mean, what does a Logan chase promo sound like? I can't place it. What, what makes, um, you know, uh, whoever, what makes their promo distinct and great and wonderful. That's what it's going to take to be at the top of the game. So awesome. Any last questions for Jeff, Larry? I, you know, it just that it's a, that choice surprised me, Jeff. 
it I guess for me I remember Starcade 85 better than 86 and I think of Miss Atlanta Live for some reason I always remember Miss Atlanta Lively Ronnie Garvin is Miss Atlanta Lively and uh, I I know the problem you're talking about it just was it was a surprise for me that you picked that one it's uh I just wanted something from from 1986 and I wasn't I mean I could have picked a Ric Flair or a Jim Cornette or something like that, but I wanted to do something a little different. I almost did the Ric Flair where, you know, he uh, he door knocks his head and gets the blood flowing, talking about Lex Luger, learning about bleeding and sweating and paying the price. But, you know, it's 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 a Ric Flair promo in a multitude of Ric Flair promos. I yeah. think this, this defeated man, boogeyman promo yeah. was a different, you know, he's down in the dumps, but yet right. he's going to rise up. And, I mean, the thing about the boogeyman and the Paul Jones feud that went three and a half years, and, and people frequently make fun of it, but uh, what they can't make fun of is that it was interesting enough to last three and a half years. And they True. could go headline B and C shows and sell out the National Guard, Omri and Sumter, and, you know, Rock Hill and Spartanburg and Camden. And in 1986, I went to a lot of those spot shows. My friends would come with me to Charlotte and Greensboro and Atlanta and Columbia and Greenville. But uh, they'd be like, we don't really want to go to Camden or Sumter. We don't really care about Ivan Koloff versus Jimmy Valiant. In the main event. <laughs> I'd be like, but but Ivan's going to get color. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great promo to highlight because Boogie Woogie Man, as the babyface, acknowledges the defeat. He doesn't no-sell the effects of the loss. He yeah. emphasizes that this is it. And then you, he, you get to see, anytime a wrestling promo can let you see something that is the most or the least or whatever, it's always going to be the best one, right? And he's letting us see rock bottom. And the guys nowadays, I think they're too afraid. They feel too vulnerable to let us see rock bottom. But you've got to let us see rock bottom, right? With a, it makes your triumph bigger if your tragedy is greater. And it's, a, it's one of the best promos of seeing tragedy. And uh, it's, a great, it's a great way to start this. That's for damn sure. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. You bet. Take, take care. Absolutely. Looking forward to the rest. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Great start, Larry. Great call to have Jeff first. Uh, next up, this guy wanted in, and he's in. You haven't heard from him in a while mm-hmm. in Georgia Wrestling. Let's see what he's got to say. I think we've got Irving West on the line here. Do, do we? Yes, indeed, we do. Great. That's my cousin Irving. Excellent. Yes, yes, sir. I didn't realize I was in the unenviable position of following Mr. Jeff G. Bailey. Goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I left out that detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's, uh, you know, esteemed company uh, is a privilege. Excellent. Well, Irving, um, again, uh, hopefully you're going to be returning to the ring soon. Uh, I yes. will say that um, your reason for being absent from the ring is – is a good one. It's not you weren't injured or anything like that. You just responsibly stayed away. Um, it, can you can you tell us when you think you're going to yeah. be back doing your thing? I think right now 
June 26th uh, should be when I'll be back in the ring. Um, I've been back at training, so that's been a lot of fun. I was kind of concerned because, I mean, a full year is a strange thing. Uh, Once I got that first bump back out of the way, though, I was like, oh, never mind. This is still fantastic. Let's let's keep it moving. So excellent. um, Yeah, yeah, it's been. It's been awesome. And in some ways, I feel like um, I have a renewed sense of just having fun with it, um, which is strange because it hasn't been that long, but it feels like an eternity. So, yeah. But, yeah, soon, soon, soon. Well, excellent. So what promo are you going to regale us with? (laughs) So uh, I wanted to choose something that, might be a bit unexpected, at least for me. Um, I decided to go with a Stan Hansen promo from the wow. mid-'80s when he was in uh, UWA in Mexico. Um, he was about to make his return to Japan to continue feuding with Giant Baba. Um, and this promo, I, I don't know, it's always kind of stuck with me, and it wasn't until today that I looked at it kind of academically. Um, but, you know, we, we can get to all that. But, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a Stan Hansen promo. I decided to go with uh, a big man. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but it's, it's a good one. Excellent, excellent. Please. All right. So, <clears throat> let's see here. Giant Baba, Giant Baba, listen to me, boy. I'm down here in Mexico. I'm in way down in Mexico. But I haven't forgotten you, John Baba. And I ain't forgot what you tried to bust up my arm. And I ain't forgotten that you stole that PWA Wrestling Championship away from me. And I'm going to tell you something, John Baba. The last of Stan Hansen's not even close to the dadgum horizon. I've just begun to fight. Everybody in Japan knows that I never quit. And the people of Japan and the people of the world and the people of Mexico and Australia, they all know that Stan Hansen, the lariat, never quits. And that goes for you too, Jumbo Taruta. You may be AWA champion. That don't mean nothing to me because I'm my own champion. You haven't beaten me, Jumbo Taruta, but you're on my list. And what about this Tanaru, washed-up sumo? Well, I'm the real big nasty of all wrestling, sumo or whatever. I'm the big nasty. Tenaru, you'll wish you had your leg broken in nine places because I'm the man that does all the damage in Japan. And what about this Choshu Ricky? You make me sick, you long-haired weirdo. I used to whoop up on you on the other side a long time ago. So you're popular with the girls now. It don't make no difference to me, because Stan Hansen, I'm the founder of Valerius. You're nothing but a copycat, boy. I'm the one who brought this into being. I'm the one who taught you, Choshu Ricky. I hear that you want to bust my leg. You want to bust my neck. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Choshu Ricky. <clears throat> That's the respect I got for you. You're a copycat. I'm the real Lariat. And there we have it. <laughs> Bravo! I can't believe- oh, my God. One, it was fucking fantastic. Two, I didn't know you were going to pick that era of Stan Hansen. Um, 
this is when I was in the throes of watching everything. So we got all the Japan stuff. So the fact that Hanson made an allusion to jumping companies, it's really a kind of a revolutionary promo in so many ways. On the surface, it's Hanson putting himself over. But in reality, it's him saying some very real things, which at the time, I, I would imagine me and my friends were shook. And Ricky Choshu is my favorite Japanese wrestler. Um, he's no, he's maybe incredible. my favorite wrestler overall. And so, like, Hanson calling him out, because Ricky Choshu, he had two moves, Larry, in case you didn't know. One was this wind-up death clothesline, and then the other was <laughs> the sharpshooter, right? He was, the, he was the guy who did that. And so, like, for Hanson to call him out and save him for last, you got to understand the way that promo structured, he's basically making Choshu the biggest star in the, in the way that he's patterning that promo. And, I mean, it's a star-making thing for Choshu. That's how much influence and power Stan Hansen <clears throat> had. So uh, what, a, what an inspired choice, and the delivery was so good. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Thank you. I tried to, um, tried to retain as much of his uh, – mellifluous Texan accent as I could because uh, I, I really do think it's beautiful. Like the way that he speaks is um, – it's like spellbinding to me. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing too is I think like this promo is one that has become kind of like a running gag almost with some of my friends and I because he just comes roaring straight out with Jive Baba and it comes out just in such a beautifully Stan Hansen way um, that it's easy to kind of chuckle at but – the thing that strikes me too about it is like the way he pronounces like, okay, so Tenryu, right? But Tenryu right. comes out. Um, but <laughs> Choshu Ricky yet, he, he does it in the order of surname first. And then, you know, so he does it like the Japanese style. So there's like, he says Jumbo Saruta incorrectly, but in the way yeah, that Jumbo you would expect him to say yeah. it incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, so there's like this really interesting thing that um, he's, He's showing something about wrestling that I didn't think too much about before now, but it's, um, you know, the extent to which that it's a very global thing, right? So, yeah, he's putting himself over by talking about Mexico, Australia, wherever else. But, you know, where he goes, regardless of whether this is the language that they speak, where he's going, what he does resonates with them. And so, to me, that's like, I don't know, that's almost like the platonic ideal of a wrestler, right? You go out there, um, you use the tools you have, you get people involved, and then, you know, next thing you know, there are a bunch of fanatics swarming around him, even though he's swinging a bull rope around like a maniac. Um, and so that, that, to me, is really beautiful. There's something about that. And the idea that he's cutting this promo in Mexico, uh, like he's in Mexico City doing this, talking yeah. about, it's like, oh, I'm coming back to Japan, uh, and you're, you're going to get yours. And so it's like... I might be in Mexico now, but I'm one plane away. And to me, that's like, I don't know. That's one of the toughest flexes I can think of, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm across the globe. That really doesn't matter because the lariat's coming, right? And, like, that's uh, – so on the surface of it, this promo – I mean, yeah, it's like a mid-'80s, like, yelling guy promo in some ways, even though he, he fluctuates a little bit. Um, but there's, like, a lot more to it, and I don't think Hanson necessarily gets that much credit for his promos. But right. he, does, he does all the things that one should, right? Um, 
he's getting all the info that I would want or need. He is sure to make like, – everyone comes out looking strong, but at the same time he can still call Choshu Ricky a long-haired weirdo. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, you're a long-haired weirdo. Girls like you. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, but he's, he's a good wrestler, right? So it's like <laughs> he does all of that. It's, um, it's really something. Like um, because I'm a dork, like I sat down and just transcribed the thing too because I wanted to just look at it, right? That helps me a lot. It's just uh, maybe it's just a leftover from never not being in school. Uh, but that's kind of how I get my mind around stuff is to write it out. Um, but yeah, just looking at it with a fine tooth comb made me appreciate it even more. And I think like this, uh, another part of the subtext of Hanson is he's cutting this promo at a time where he's going to transition from being a main eventer in Japan to what we would call the gunslinger or the gatekeeper role, which is, Mm. He's, he's no longer going to be the draw in just a year's time from this promo. He's going to transition mm. to being the guy that you beat to get to the guy. Mm. And, and Japan has a very clear and distinct system when it comes to this stuff. It's why they're able to keep these American legends around for decades and pay them gobs of money. Because as long as you're willing to accept the role, um, you know, you can work in Japan forever, and they're going to love you. Um, because Stan Hansen is one of those guys who made that transition. In the eyes of people on the surface, he's a big, huge name, and he was a star, and he made tons of money in Japan. All true. He also followed the exact pattern that you're supposed to, which is why it's interesting that he brings up Choshu last, because he's talking about main eventers. Jumbo Saruto was a guy who was mm-hmm. already made and crowned obviously Baba, right? Mm-hmm. But, he, but he works it down to Choshu because he does put Choshu over, and then he settles into the role of, I'm no longer the guy that's going to wrestle Baba at the top. Even Baba himself is not going to be the guy at the top. They're both going to settle into this role of, we feud with the guy, we help prep guys and make them for the top. And um, so that, in that way, for me personally, it's like, it's such a wonderful promo because it's Stan Hansen also, you know, getting all the cred that he can. He's, he's kind of gathering all of those chips up, but it's because he's going to lose those chips in the big hand coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I mean, again, what else are you supposed to do in a promo, especially in, in relation to Japan, is you're supposed to excite people. Danger is what the Japanese love out of their foreigners. They love danger. That's the number one thing that they're interested in. If you're Fred Blassie sharpening your teeth with a file, if you're <laughs> Vader who's going to dump precious Inoki onto his head a million times, they like their foreigners to be dangerous because that's all that's that's the standard that Rikido's on set, right? These foreigners, mm-hmm. they fucked us in World War II, and we're going to pay them back for all time. <laughs> and it only works It only works if they're the most dangerous people imaginable, and Stan Hansen certainly fit that bill. So, yeah, him, him and Brody, like, goodness. Yeah. Brody is, yeah. <laughs> he's another one of those guys. I don't know that he necessarily gets that much credit for his promos either, but I I love, I don't know, that guy's another guy, platonic ideal of a wrestler probably, you know, uh, 
growing up, sure, I got drawn to it from, you know, probably when I was younger. All we had was WWF where I grew up. So I saw maybe one, two, three kid or someone like that, and I was like, oh, look at that guy. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, Vader, look at this guy. Oh, he's huge. <laughs> what is he doing? And so I kind of thought maybe, you know, I've, uh, I'm still waiting on that growth spurt, so maybe I can start doing some Vader moves. But <laughs> we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I've always had a lot of respect for these, these big dudes. I think um, there's also just some there's, – there's poetry in this promo. Like I kept getting really hung up on the uh, – when he says that he's not even close to his, his dadgum horizon. Um, <laughs> and then, like, the champion of himself. Uh, so he's, like, self-actualized yeah. champion. Uh, and I brought this into being, like, some sort of mythical creature – it's really cool. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a guy whose who's career mirrored his words, right? He was a guy that you could not tell what to do, right? He was a guy that was like, well, I'm going to run over the AWA title, fuck you, right? And yeah. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, when you have a guy that's not agreeable, um, he comes across as sort of like a surly, pissy bitch, right? It's it's like Austin <laughs> Aries versus Stan Hansen. I mean, there's no comparison, oh right? Austin, Har- yeah. Austin Aries is just some whiny, vegan weirdo who won't do business. But Stan Hansen gets <laughs> to be this sort of mythic figure of, wow, he's amazing, right? So, And it's because of, that's who he was, a blind guy who would fucking hit your head off and say crazy shit and, you know, and can somehow do no holds barred the movie and come out still being a badass. So, yeah. And he, <laughs> he, no he still seems like he's, uh, he, he's looking well last time I saw him too, despite the fact that it <laughs> seemed as though he got his own head kicked off just as many times. Uh, he's just walking around looking like Stan Hansen, which is incredible. He is, as the kids say, built different, I think. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. That was fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, having me back on. It's been a been a minute. Sure. It's always excellent to talk to you, gentlemen. Thanks, Irving. Awesome. Well, all right. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this. I uh, hopefully I didn't stink out the room too bad after Jeff oh. started everything off real hot. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to our next two promos for sure. It's going to be it's a good night already. Excellent. Well, y'all take care, and I will hopefully talk to both of you soon. Yes, definitely. Excellent. Bye. Cool, cool. Well, I cannot wait for this next one. I think it's it's a it's, he's going to have a little bit of a different take, and I have no idea who he's chosen. Have you? Like, I have no idea either. I'm I have burning curiosity to hear what awesome. Velvet Jones is going to do with this promo. Welcome, sir. Hey, guys. How are you? There he is. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain, y'all. I was uh, excited that you wanted to jump in and do this. Um, what, uh, what, what's the thing that triggered you to want to do this? Because you're no, you're no longer oh. wrestling as a regular thing. So I was really pleased that you wanted to do this. Yeah, I think that... Um... I think that we've gotten we're wrestling so, has gotten so much to the point where people are trying to tell stories with move after move after move after move, and there's nothing 
you know, nothing selling the match beforehand. A lot of times, like, growing up, when I watched wrestling when I was younger, um, the promo that I'm going to do is from the 80s. And so um, we're talking about, like, the infancy of pay-per-view. So, therefore, with kind of like Larry, I grew up watching WWE or WWF then and got turned on to the NWA, like, in the mid-'80s. So around that time, you know, pay-per-view was in its infancy and, you know, word of mouth sold pay-per-views, but it literally sold pay-per-views even more when people started really doing promos. And so I really wanted to jump on it because I think that I guess we got this whole cancel culture deal going on in the world nowadays where people are trying to find something to dump on. And I guess the best part about it is now, there are people who actually are turned off by all these thousands of moves that are being done for absolutely nothing so much so that they're like, well, is there a story behind this? And somebody with the light bulb blinking is going, why, yes, yes, there is. Listen to this promo. So now promos mm-hmm. are kind of being put back on the stage so people can actually understand that there's a story behind all the gymnastics and shit. Yeah. Yeah, so what are you going to serve us today? I can't wait. So uh, my promo is inspired by uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, just to kind of set the scene for you, um, when I was growing up, Hulk Hogan was the big deal in professional wrestling. He was WWF champion. Um, he was larger than life. He was beating all these guys who were larger than he was. But he only had, a, you know, like a handful of moves that he did on these shores. Because if you watch some of his stuff in Japan, you know, he's doing a whole lot more than that. But yeah. it was around the late, like the mid-'80s, I got turned on to the NWA. So I saw guys who were Hogan's size doing, like, actual catches, catch-can wrestling with some technique and all that kind of stuff. And so I was inspired by it. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. So – Around this time, Hogan had lost the championship to Andre the Giant. Uh, Randy Savage won a tournament. And for a year, Randy Savage presented a WWE champion unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. Because a lot of guys were just kind of plodling and, you know, just doing stuff and, you know, the big gorilla deal and all that. Savage was speedy. He was technique. And he was something different. And so he was wrestling a lot of the same guys Hogan wrestled, but he gave fans a much different match because of the style of wrestling he presented. So my promo is coming from Randy Savage preparing to face Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania five. So uh, around this time, WWE was selling their WrestleMania pay-per-views and they would have these promo segments where the guy would do the promo and then they'd insert a, a clip of the match that he may have been referring to and all this kind of stuff. So that's where mm-hmm. my promo is going to come from. So I'm going to try to give this a shot. My Randy Savage is, is not the best. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Randy Savage gets finished talking about how he just saved Hulk Hogan from Akeem, one of the Twin Towers who the Mega Powers were feuding with at the time. So now Randy Savage has time to talk about how he wrestled Akeem. And Savage says, Ooh, yeah, Hogan, I remember a time when I wrestled Akeem, too, and I had the boss man at ringside just like you did. But there's a difference between you and me. Oh, yeah, I was doing real good, yeah. I was out 
Madonna, but you're a liar, yeah. In fact, you stood in front of me with a guy who does nothing but lie, Brother Love. And in that interview, you said some stuff that made me sick, yeah. You say you love Elizabeth. Well, let me tell you something, Hogan. Elizabeth is going to be in the corner of the Macho Man at WrestleMania 5. Oh, yeah. And you say you love me, Hogan. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I hate you. I hate your guts. And that's what's going to be left over the mat at the WrestleMania 5. And that's it. <laughs> That oh, was man. dope as fuck. That was dope as fuck. Oh, my God. That was a great savage. <laughs> fucking, you, the fucking inflect the fucking feel. Um, yeah, macho, man. Like, and the series of promos he did to build that thing up and the fucking lust in your eyes and just fuck, like... You know, the the even back then it was the even WrestleManias that didn't do well, and then they would get their shit together for the odd numbered ones, right? So four was not considered like a huge critical or financial success, but five definitely was. And for Savage to be able to pull off, because he was not in the same size class as Hulk Hogan, especially back then. No, he wasn't. But yeah. he had to basically carry the thing. People were used to seeing Hogan take on Andre and King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd and, like, all these guys. And like you said, Savage was a different breed. In fact, you can say that they were, like, the forerunner of the modern day where Savage was just so good, you would just accept him as a heel against this humongous baby face. And you still saw them as equals. I remember my friends and I, just desperate, among, just hoping amongst hope that somehow Savage was going to win, even though there was just no way, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but Savage true. was so good at making you believe in his level of threat and his level of passion would somehow make a match for Hogan. And fuck, that promo was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Man, it was just like with Randy Savage, it was like you say Hulk Hogan fought a lot of the same, you know, they fought a lot of the same guys. But there were times when Hulk Hogan would fight guys who were smaller than him, like a, like Ted DiBiase, who Savage won the championship from. And Savage yeah. being able to match DiBiase hole for hole, you know, and all the holes aren't quite as complex, weren't as complex then as they are now. It presented a different match. Like the match moved around a lot faster. Um, yeah. There were people who, by '87, after Hogan beat Andre, were burned out by the big guy just dragging his feet and Hogan just, you know, coming back from the ashes. People wanted to see competition, and for uh, people to get that with Randy Savage, who was on equal footing, because like you said, Randy Savage was not the same size as Hulk Hogan. You know. Hogan was Hogan was big. You know, he wasn't as big as they made him out to be, but he was bigger than Savage. Right. So uh, for Savage to go out there and be able to wrestle a fast-paced match and, you know, changing levels and all that kind of stuff, because Savage's stuff, even when he was fighting for the Intercontinental Championship with Tito Santana, it almost felt like, wow, you know, you got a workhorse guy from the second tier who came up and changed the game when Randy Savage became the world heavyweight champion. 
it was amazing. And Savage, you know, he could he his intensity was it, it, it just came off so legitimate as opposed to Hogan's, you know, uber confidence that I'm the superhero, I can stick my chest out, pick somebody up over my head, slam them, and pin them. And like I said, by that time, you know, late 80s, early 90s, people got burned out by it. Yeah. And Savage alluding to, you know, that there was probably a segment of the wrestling audience that was like, Hogan's act's a little tired. And so Savage Mm. sort of attacks the very idea of Hogan, right? You're a liar, right? Like, he's the only guy who went about it that way. Like, Bobby Heenan would say stuff about Hogan, but Bobby Heenan was such a piece of shit that everything he says is invalid. <laughs> but, 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 like, Macho is a different story, right? They were partners. They were the mega powers. They were blah, blah, blah. I mean, people still imitate that handshake. Like, I don't pe- think people realize the power that those guys had. I, come, I, I will see Shane Marks when I am there in Georgia in a couple of weeks, and when we see each other, you know what we're going to do? We're going to grab our own wrists, and we're going to put our hands close, and we're going to do the Mecha Power handshake. And Shane Marks was probably – Shane Marks was a fetus probably when that fucking match happened, right? Like, <laughs> and yet he knows it because, I mean, Macho was the, was the rare star that burned nearly as bright as Hogan's. That's the truth. You know, and I mean, you were just able to, you captured the flavor of macho. It's one thing to do a macho impersonation. Like, Jay Lethal does a great macho man impersonation, but there is something about you cutting that promo that, I mean, I could tell that you're in the acting game now, and clearly you're taking that very seriously. You're treating it as a craft and a profession, and I mean, that just came across in spades to me. Absolutely, and I've, I've learned so much from acting because um, when you just when you first get in this business, just in the wrestling business, more than anything else, you just want to be able to be seen, to have a match, to have people react to it, uh, more or less. Okay, well, you did a good job in the ring. You know, you pulled off some nice moves, but you know, as when you when you're in the business long enough, you realize that you know there's a story that needs to be told. You you are entertaining the people who pay money to see you. And so you have to stop entertaining your ego long enough to realize that somewhere within all the stuff you're doing from the time you're in the ring to the time before you get in the ring, you have to forge a relationship with the people who are watching you because yeah. you have because you're entertaining people. And you know the moves and all that kind of stuff, that's that's the icing on the cake. That's the big finish and everything. But if you can get people emotionally invested in what you're doing as a performer, not as a wrestler, but as a performer, because you're on a stage, which is the ring, and you're performing for people, you know, it's extreme athletic improv is what I call it. But to be perfectly honest with you, when you're out there and you're performing for people, you have to be committed to making sure that they're invested in what you're doing as a performer. All that other shit is cool, but make a connection with the fans. And that's why I think promos are very, very important nowadays because people need to be invested in the story so that they can, so that they as fans can reap the reward when the big finish happens. Absolutely. Well, man, people need to, people need to get up with you on Facebook, the podcast you do where you talk to different people, um, mostly in the acting world, but not entirely in just in the acting world. Like you're, you're definitely 
going on that great journey, and people need to follow that and support it. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You have a good night. You too. Sure. Oh. And Man, these guys could. We get to, these guys did great. Yeah, they're all great. I can't wait for. I can't wait for J Rod. I can't wait. So, I got a message from J Rod. He he requested that we go right into the interview. So we're not going to get Absolutely. a J Rod promo tonight. That's cool. But we're going to get we're going to get J Rod, and we're going to find out about his return to the Georgia wrestling scene for Pro Wrestling Circuit on May fifteenth, and kind of what's happening here. Let's see if we got him on the line here. Oh, yeah. Velvet Jones got me pumped, man. <laughs> hey, I tell you, Velvet was so badass what he was doing. I'm sitting there getting goosebumps listening to it. I was like, I was so pumped. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? <laughs> doing well, man. Thanks for coming out tonight. Bro, but I swear, Velvet, with the, everything he was doing, I, could, I was sitting here spinning, just had my pinky out like I, was, like I had on the glasses. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's nailing this shit. I was so pumped. <laughs> So, so J Rod, why are you why are you coming back? I mean, I'm glad you're coming back. You were always the wrestler's wrestler, the like consummate dude. Um, why now? I'm I'm excited. I, I, I'm the one who told Larry like we got to talk to J Rod. So I gotta know. <laughs> well, why hey, are you coming you know, back? Uh, well, Jeff, I just want to say one thing. Just since you said that, you don't end up bringing a damn tear to my um, for a guy like you to say. That about me means a lot because um, the thing is, it's like, why did I ever leave? Um, you know, I had life situations happen. You know, stuff comes up, you know, a uh, bad car wreck with that, that time a wife that I had to leave to take care of her. So it kind of pulled me away, and mm. I dabbled in it, dabbled in it. But the thing is, my heart, my soul has always been with pro wrestling. And, um, you know, shit, I'm in great shape. I, I'm not hurt. I never got injured. Um, life is doing really, really good for me right now, you know, knock on wood. So with all those things being said, it was, you know, it was, it was opportunity, it was time, and I was like, and Jesus, you know, I'm not getting any damn younger for sure. Um, so why I have health and, you know, great knees and no injuries, and I've, I mean, I've never I've been very fortunate. I've never um, sustained any kind of major injuries with when I was fighting MMA or in pro wrestling. So, you know, I figure, I mean, I'm still in great shape. I'm going to go at it. I mean, I see what these guys are doing out here right now, and it gets me pumped and excited about what's going on with wrestling. Um, there's so many guys that I've seen come up, and there's some that I still feel like it took them too long to get where they were, but they're still getting their chances. They're getting their shots, and you've seen these guys up there. And there's so many different avenues now. I'm like, you know, yeah. hey, I'm still above the dirt. I still got energy. Um <laughs> You know, if I get in the ring and I don't get the response, then I know it's time not to do it anymore. Um, but uh, you know, I still I still feel great, so I'm just I'm I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm past ready. You know, it's been three years since my last match, but mm. you know, y'all know when I started, I was doing this shit like five nights a week. If there was a show that put me on it, I'd be there. And um, so for the past probably on those six years, it died down a lot. And I was doing a show here and there, but it's been three years since my last match. Well, you're wow. not messing around. You're going right into the into the title picture, into the main event with Simon Sermon uh, week Saturday or this Saturday night. Um, what what's your history with Mr. Simon Sermon? 
Oh, Jesus, man. He gave me, like, so many guys in this business, in this area. Um, you know, he was there. He was booking the AWN. We go way back. You know, we've had a side of the fence both ways and, uh, you know, and come at it from different angles. But um, we've had some hard-fought battles. You know, so Simon's tough. He doesn't get in there. He, he, you know, it's, he's one of those guys. He knows I like to lay it in. He lays it in, too. So we go out there and have a good show. And that's one of the things, too. When I got this call over the past several years, I've turned down a lot of bookings. And really, mm. you know, was the only thing that kept made me turn them down was just work and life. Um, just not able to make it work. And when I do something, I like to really dive in. I don't like to do anything half-assed. And, and wait a minute, when I say, except for cardio. I'm not good at cardio. Cardio I do half-assed. <laughs> um, but, but everything else in my life, I like to dive in. So when uh, I like what they're doing with the show down there. It kind of goes back to what Velvet was saying. You know, I want to – I remember the days – of wrestling, when I believed in the guys in the ring, when I saw the guy in there, I believed he could have been that guy that was going to beat someone up at the bar on Saturday night. Um, with what they're doing there, it brings it back more to the fans. It brings it back to entertain, entertainment, um, not throwing a thousand moves. As y'all know, I was trained by Jerry Oates. Um, Jerry Oates did not train me that way. It wasn't fit for my mindset that way. So I like to make things count. And um, when I go there to Thomas and George this Saturday night, I plan on making it count. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I'll get the belt, but what I do know is when I come, there's going to be some bruises, there's going to be some pain. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. There's, you know, as long as we all walk out there and nobody goes to the hospital, but there's going to be an ass whooping going on one way or the other. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> so you brought yeah, up Jerry Oates. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, you, know, you know, Larry, I sent you a message earlier. Y'all kind of destroyed one of my childhood heroes today. Um Growing up as a kid, Ron Garvin was the man. Before Steen came out, Ron Garvin. Ron Garvin was the guy, the stomp, the punch. He was always my man. So when I was getting ready for this and I was on the ride, I drove to Panama City today, and I'm sitting there doing the drive. I did it yesterday. The other night I sat there for three hours and I was watching Ron Garvin promos. And y'all hurt me because I realized he wasn't that good at promos. So <laughs> it was. It was. I was like, let me find one where there's a coherent sentence that comes out of Ron Garvin's mouth that I can repeat. And I was like, there was, there was, there was, there was absolutely none. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you really broke my heart today. So. But Ron, Ron Garvin was badass. That guy was badass in the ring. A Canadian that had to play a Southern style tough guy. I don't blame Ron Garvin for not being able to cut a promo. Right. That's, a, that's a tall I was, order. I was listening to one he did today. He was Dusty Rhodes, and they were getting ready, and he was going. On, he was going to have a match with. Uh, I think it was during nineteen, maybe nineteen ninety. He was going to have a maybe eighty. I can't remember. He was going to have a match with Ric Flair, and he came out. And he goes, "I was born a, Can- a Canadian." I'm not um, I'm not a proud American. And you could realize, like, he knew he screwed up right there. He was like, oh, shit, I just said I'm not a proud American. I was like, Jesus Christ, that was not the babyface promo he wanted to cut. So, yeah. Oh, man. I, I remember him chasing Ric Flair for that title. It was a great chase. Yeah. And then as soon as he yeah. won it, you knew he couldn't be the yeah. champion because he couldn't carry <laughs> nothing there. Yeah. After the chase, that was, the belt had to go back, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, if that's, that says something about the business, too. Like, I, I, you know, I had I was so young then watching Ron Garvin, and he was this guy, and he couldn't make, he couldn't put a couple sentences together. He couldn't cut a promo. But as a kid, I mean, I was probably maybe, I don't know, seven or eight, watching this guy. 
he's the one that had me. There was no face paint. There was nothing fancy about him. He didn't come out with, you know, like his brother did um, with the, the pretty girl on the side. But he came out, and he just, it, you know, it, it just kind of, it meant something to me. It touched me in a way at that young age where, like, this guy believed in this guy. And um, so that means, you know, there's there's certain things that we all gravitate towards as children that yeah. make us love what it is that we do that gets in this business. And you don't know what it is. And, um, you know, and it was kind of funny because, you know, being a hard-hitting, not such a big guy, I like to think of myself that way. But as I was listening to your, you know, all the other interviews and stuff before, I realized, the one thing that I've always done well is sell an ass whooping. And it's because like Velvet was saying, you don't you know, you need to you need to uh you need to act, you need to put out there. I know how to get my ass kicked because I have my ass kicked a lot. So I'm pretty good I'm really good at that, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, J Rod, like it's you know, earlier I was talking to Jeff. Jeff and I talk all the time and and so we're mm. talking and he goes and I go like, Oh yeah, so here are the guys who are gonna do promos and then and they're gonna interview J Rod. And yeah. he goes, what do you think about J-Rod? Which is Jeff's way of saying, I yeah. want to see what you think before I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> before Which, I talk in my that. mind, then I start going, oh, I'm curious what Jeff is going to say. Because I was just like, is yeah, this going to yeah. be Jeff going like, well, I think he ain't shit. Right? Or, or whatever. And, then, right. and instead Absolutely. I just went, I'm like, you know, I never really worked with J-Rod, which Jeff would yeah. take, interpret as, oh, then Steve doesn't like him, right? Because Earl Steve would have right. like, yeah. And I was like, and I was like, and I was always kind of sad about that. I always thought, like, you know, he's somebody I think would have come in, let him do his thing, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, and everything I had ever heard about him, when he was a stand-up guy, I remember the first story I heard about J-Rod was some guy kind of tested him in the ring, and he sort of checked the guy, but in, a, in an appropriate way like and I, yeah. I remember thinking like oh he's a real wrestling guy and Jeff just goes yeah yeah I like I like him I just think he's a, he's one of these guys who's like a real wrestler and I was like oh cool we both agree uh, yeah. <laughs> which like, is which that, never happens with me and Jeff we never agree about shit so <laughs> well, well that could either be very good for me or very bad for you so I don't know what that is so uh, but, <laughs> that's yeah. true <laughs> yeah yeah no it's you know uh, it's. I think it's past time. I hope the fans still receive, you know, accept me in, and I hope I can go out there and put on a, you know, a good performance and and leave it out there because I mean, when I get in the ring, I I do put it on there. I try to, you know, if I look like I'm dying, because 99 percent of the time I am dying. I don't have the cardio of a, a Jimmy Ray, a Sal Renaro. These guys, those guys are phenomenal. The cardio, I don't have that. If I look, I'm about to puke. It's probably because I'm about to puke. So it's not just acting. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I get you to get give your Quick takes on a few personalities from the past. I'm curious, people Absolutely. that you Ooh. worked with. Uh, yeah. uh, Crew Jones. Crew Jones. Uh, the guy, I love him like a brother, really. You know, and here's one of the things. He's one of the most – his character and the way he comes out and his look and the cockiness, you like, that's the most cocky, which he can be cocky. That's only when he's got socky in him, though. So, um, but he's uh, – he, but he uh, – you know, a rough, tough, hard ass, and um, honestly, he's a much nicer guy than I am most of the time when it comes down to when uh, when shit hits the fan, you know, hits the fan. So, um, yeah, I, I love the guy to death. He was actually one of my groomsmen in my wedding, so that was kind of a little bit oh, of a wow. question. So sorry about that. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Diane Hughes. Oh, oh boy. man, what you are I so dirty. 
I know what a no, blind no. side. Fucking everyone yeah, thinks no, I'm the mean one. I swear to God, but Larry's yeah, yeah. the one who's gonna like. He's gonna yeah. smile and then he's just gonna hit you with the bat like fucking Al Capone in the entire world. Like <laughs> Jesus. Came in hard. <laughs> I told y'all my knees are good. I can take this ass whooping. Here we go. <laughs> Money Mark. Fucking. Oh my lord. Children don't listen to this, do they? No, no. Do children, do children listen to the show? All right. Sounds like Hunt, but it begins with a different letter. Um, yeah, Money Mart that um, took way more from this business than what she should have had and had influence on. Um, but she did put a group, group of together, guys together, and guys got paydays, so you can't hate on That's what a Money Mark is. So. Mm. I, I know I know you didn't uh, work there much, and it was towards the tail end of the, this promotion. But um, mm. you're going up to Nashville for Southern All-Star and Paul Adams. Yeah, I, you know, I, I always had a great time, really. Um, I didn't get to know him that well. He was really good friends with Dan and Vordell. Um, but, you know, I've always been kind of a family guy. So even if I rode eight hours to go to a show to get there and sit there for six hours to get paid, I still drove right back. I didn't ever hang out. I didn't go to the bars. I didn't do a lot of stuff. So I kept my nose clean on a lot of shit. Um, but, I mean, you know, working with, you know, Cash and Chase and all those guys up there, I always had a great time. I mean, I really, really, really did. I I like the shows. You know, a lot of times you do two, three um, TV tapings at a time. Um, I had a great time. I, I, don't, I don't know him that well, though, but I always had a great time. He was always nice to me, and my money was always right. Nice. Dr. Johnny Gayton. Ooh, ah, great guy. Um. I, you know, wish you wouldn't have got married. It'll still be a good show running down in Warner Robins, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, a wife put a stop to that shit. She was like, no, we were more vacations. Quit spending on these guys around Speedos that are all oiled up. Um, Johnny Gate was a great dude. He's got a great wife. I mean, honestly, um, he's one of, the, one of the nicest guys I've met in this business. We all know he got in the business because he was a fan. He was a fan that had means to give back and create more fans. And to me, whether you're the top-notch wrestler or you're just a top-notch personality that has a way to run a promotion to give back and bring more kids up to get to see wrestlers, do what it is they love, and then create more wrestlers that can do it again, um, those guys like that are at the top of my list. So I, I love him. Nice. Just one more, and, he, and, and he's going to be uh, in Thomaston too, A.J. Steele. Mm. Hey, just chill. That's my brother. That's my brother from um from Daddy Oates. Yeah. We're both those boys. Yeah, AJ. Again, now see, here's the thing about AJ. Let me rip on AJ for a minute. He's my brother, so I can punch him in the balls real quick. AJ <laughs> has a problem getting his ass to where he's supposed to be on time. No, this I was going to say, if you show up, you're already over AJ Steele. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This jackass for my freaking <laughs> wedding. For my fucking wedding, he's supposed to be one of my groomsmen. He fucking scheduled the wrong day off work and couldn't be there. So, um, You're love kidding me. me. No, love me. Oh, my God. Keep him the dick next time I see him. But we are, um, we have been talking about he and I with, you know, with all the stuff going on with the NWA and um, everything going on with him right now, he and I have been talking about, because um, we do give a lot of respect to our trainer, um, Jerry. Um, we appreciate everything he ever did for us, and we know where his place is in the history books. So he and I are thinking we got to get Jerry's permission to run this. So Jerry might get mad at me now. I haven't been able to go by and talk to him at the gym. But uh, we're thinking about running as the Oats Boys um, as a tag team. So 
So, mm. you know, you know, you got the cool-offs out there, but at least we got some legitimacy. You know, Nikita didn't train those boys. We all know that shit, but Jerry Oates trained us, so we can come kick the Russian ass. How about that? So, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love yeah. that J-Rod's booking his own shit. That's what I like. <laughs> hey, that's what a good worker does, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he, you gave me a bunch of layups. Those are all great guys. You gave me one cunt, and then um, we leave it at that. So you did your <laughs> That bitch. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's a fucking I got dude. stories what about that fuck? bitch. Uh, oh, my God. She's yeah. fucking horrible. I mean, I remember I would go up to those shows, and she was just the weirdest motherfucker. Like, Taylor McKnight was a weird cat, but Diane Hughes was something else. And I would just... Like what the hell is wrong with her? <laughs> you Bro, know? So much, so much, too much Botox. Her thinking she's gonna get in young dude's pants. The only one she got in was a guy that was in the guys. I mean, Jesus Christ. So wait, hold yeah. on, hold oh, on, yeah. wait, 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 wait. I I left him <laughs> off the list. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's my thing is I remember when I was so my first year in the business. I remember they tried to jerk my chain, jerk me around, tell me where I'd go, where I couldn't go. And um, I remember even Jerry. And, I, and like I said, Jerry was my trainer. I respect him. But I was a grown-ass man when I got in this business. And they said, don't go here. I'm like, I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. But um, I remember Jody Hamilton had just got released from Deep South. And he mm-hmm. was running a show in, I believe it was McDonough at the time, Locust Grove, something mm-hmm. like that. Anyhow, yeah. so they, they used to pull me to GCW, um, Chris Stevens, David Young, all those guys. They liked me being around. They said I was a good guy. Um, Quentin was on his high horse. Uh, he was running the show, and uh, he was doing the booking and everything. And he, he wanted to try to treat me like the other little boys he would treat, you know. And I, I didn't deal with that well at all. So um, they they told me if I went to a Jody Peterman, I mean, not Jody Peterman, Jody um, Hamilton show and worked it, then I could never work for them again. So I told them, fuck off. Um, then within a year... <laughs> I got the number one baby face with uh, Georgia Wrestling History, and um, then they were paying me three times as much to come back and work for them. So, yeah, that all worked out well. And I tell you this. Those awards matter, everybody. You hearing this? (laughs) (laughs) Awards matter. Well, you you know what? If I could go back and change things, the one thing I would change, Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm trying to look back retrospectively is, now that I'm older, a little bit wiser in this business, and I see so many guys that are that are finally getting their shot, and I'm very happy for them. There's no doubt. But I was like, you know, me, I got to a point because I was always a businessman, and I had a family. And in my mind, I could not justify um, me going and working a show for 25 bucks and taking away from my family and spending my money on my gas, my gear, and all that stuff, and then having to explain that to my young sons or or my family. So in Georgia wrestling history helped me out a lot. You know, people believe the hype. They saw it online, so it translated to everything else. It helped me feel more confident myself. Um, it helped me go out there, and I, I pushed and pushed and got on every show I could. And the guys in the beginning that helped me out, I, I always did favors for those guys. I mean, money on the tables. But if you didn't pay me, I wasn't coming. And I wish that maybe I'd have been more like a lot of these guys that uh, that would take the – the going to an area, putting in the car, and getting on the road, and you know, and, and sharing a room. There's a lot of things I think I missed there, and there's a lot of yeah. things I think I missed there. And I was all about. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was all about the money. 
if I didn't pay, I wasn't going to do it. I made really, really good money. And um, and really, in that aspect, I got to live the life. But I never had a contract. But at the end of the day, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. The Southeast, I might be a little bit of somebody. Um, to maybe 300 people on my Facebook, they love the shit out of me. So, <laughs> so it's still a thing there. And and I love the shit out of it. I had a great time, and I made some kick-ass money. Um, but there's a lot of guys doing a whole lot better than I am. That a lot more people know that are making a hell of a lot more money than I did, and they never went for the money. So kudos to those guys, you know. But I'll tell you this, you're going to show up on the 15th this Saturday, and I have a feeling there's going to be a whole lot of people in the locker room and a whole lot of people out in the crowd who are going to be very, very happy to see you, man. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to go there. Hey, small little quick fact, I grew up in Manchester, Georgia. I used to go to Thomaston all the time. Every time a Meriwether County boy goes into Upton County, there was always a fight. So believe me, when I talk, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little promo later. So anytime I cross that Upton County line, my I get goosebumps everywhere because I'm ready to fight. And Simon Sermon this weekend, yeah, I'm looking to kick his ass, so there's no doubt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Larry, oh, yeah. do you have a last question for Mr. J. Rod? Oh, <laughs> nah, you know, I'm I just sorry want to, to say run over. I apologize. No, not a, this has been a this has been a delight. Thanks so much for doing this interview. So J Rod is going to be at Pro Wrestling Circuit making its big return the 15th on Saturday. You got to get there. It's very easy to find out how to get tickets. Just go Pro Wrestling Circuit on Facebook, find out yeah. and be there. I can't wait, man. Hey, it's, I got one I got bad news for some people though. All the front oh. row seats sold out in the first week. So those are all gone. So you can't get that close to the ring, but you can get pretty close. So um, so uh, buy the tickets. I know there's some left. I'm not sure exactly how many, but I know the front row is gone. It's a pretty big building, so there's no problem there. <laughs> yep. Hey, wait a minute. Y'all listen to this real quick. That was bourbon, boy. Have... <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're not going to be able to get close enough to touch J-Rod, but at least you can blow him a kiss, and maybe he'll give you a little bit of a look if you're lucky. Oh, I'm going to come by and shake your hand. I'm going to kiss you back. Shit, I'm so happy to be back. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, you guys have made it even that much better. You know, anytime Mr. Goodman sends you a Facebook message and says, hey, I think a, I think a uh, interview is due, and then he disappears and you say, absolutely, and you don't talk to him for three days, it makes you feel great. So. <laughs> I was like, Larry remembers me, so it's all good. <laughs> I sure well, did. Hey, man. Thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate you guys and what y'all do for the business. Too, You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Larry, um, I got to say that show was an unqualified success, wouldn't you? Yes, I really enjoyed it. Boy, <laughs> Yeah, uh, J-Rod was great. I, the whole thing was great. I, I enjoyed everybody. I enjoyed every part of it. Um, yeah. what, what was the biggest uh, – I know we got to go, but uh, what was the biggest surprise for you? And then I'll tell you mine. How great Velvet did – Holy shit. Savage. He killed it. <laughs> and, and Irving West picking Stan Hansen. Yeah. And then Jeff and then Jeff doing Dinkley un Jeff G. Bailey promo for his yes. choice. Against type. I, I I will say this, let me just say this, because because this year was a success. We will do this again next year. 
And next year, this is me being nice, I better see a motherfucking list as long as my dick of people who want to do this because it is important. Promos are invaluable. And even when you talk to someone like J-Rod, he didn't cut a promo, but he couldn't help but cut a promo, could he? Right. Even right. just talking, because right. that guy's got wrestling in his blood. And if you're That's someone right. who claims to have wrestling in your blood, then you damn well better be in promo mode all the time. Mm. What are you, where are you going to be this weekend, Larry? Action on Friday night. Okay. And my nephew's graduation on Saturday, so maybe Southern Friday, maybe not. But cool. our man Rob Rod will be at Action also, and he's going to be in Thomaston for a pro wrestling circuit. So we're gonna we're gonna cover some. Oh, rap. good. I'm glad. I'm glad someone's covering pro pro wrestling circuit. That makes me very very happy. Yeah. Um. So super great, and of course, you know. I'm going to keep cranking out videos. Larry's going to have those reports up. Rob's going to have those reports up. And uh, we're just going to keep this thing rolling. So uh, in two weeks, I guess we'll be back. Um, yeah, you'll be, and you, that'll be right off your Georgia trip, correct? That'll be right, right off my Georgia trip and right oh, before yeah. I go to Jacksonville for AEW for Dynamite mm-hmm. and then the pay-per-view. And then I was just told – that on that Saturday, they're doing a meet and greet. And so I'll have the kids with me because they're going to be out of school. So my kids are already all up on my shit about meeting Darby Allen and uh, Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that ought to be funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be all over the place. And uh, like I said, next week, Thursday, I'm going to be at the PCW training, so get up with Hankins and Brian Blaze and Bill the Butcher if you want to be there for that. Um, Friday, I'm going to be at Pro South. Saturday, I'm going to be at IWE. Larry is going to be inducted into the Landmark Hall of Fame at uh, Anarchy. And then on Sunday, I think I'm going to GIPW. My God. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, everybody, thank you for listening in. Thank you to, let me make sure I got them all, Jeff G. Bailey, thank you to Irving West, thank you to Velvet Jones, and thank you to J-Rod for making this, for the love of promo show, a fantastic one. And for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum, and we will see you once again on The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad.
getting brought up doing it again, and, and then people just came through like crazy on, on all that. And then yeah, J-Rod really brought it in that interview, didn't he? And I, just, I, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to expect on the interview with him, but uh, the whole thing was really fun. So yeah, Bane. Now, he didn't threaten anybody in that office, but 
his behavior was so volatile that I thought, boy, can, I, I, I just thought to myself, can you, can you imagine, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?
whatever they, whatever that's what I that's what I believe. Yes, and and, and, and doctors have told me the same. Some have told me the same thing. Exactly right, and that that's actually one of the indicators that it is dementia, and not and not just pure sort of schizophrenia, because the antipsychotic medicine is no no longer the job. And the other thing, of course, is that is yeah, I mean, there's. sort of authorization to take him. They certainly believe he needed to go. 
they just needed the grounds to be able to do it. And once I sent once I sent them to medical power of attorney, boom, he was taken. Whether he wanted to or not, because he didn't want to. I got on the phone with him. So, what I've seen in being in these situations is, of course, today on the phone with me today, because we tried to just, they were there, and they were standing there with him, and they put him on the phone with me, and of course he said, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going. And I said, Eric, I have the medical power attorney. You're going to have to go one way or the other. And he still said, no, no, no. What I've seen is when they have several people around him, I've not seen him, like, try to fight or anything like that. He, he, he. He does go. He might yell a little bit and complain, but he doesn't. Right. He doesn't try to fight him. I've not seen that. Right. 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 Then he's then he's then he's on a stretcher. The um, EMTs took Eric back to Grady. They took him to Grady, and guess who's evaluating? The very same person who evaluated him last week. She is telling his sister that Eric was merely defending himself with the knife. That he wasn't trying to hurt, he didn't, nobody was threatened. He was trying to defend himself with the knife. So they are again trying to get out of hospitalizing him. Now his sister is fighting him. His sister has been on the phone with him and demanded to speak with the... Pardon? So, yeah, so Eric's sister has been on the phone with him and has demanded to speak with the doctor in charge about the fact that they don't want to admit him again. So she is in... But I just wanted you to know what they're saying. They're saying, oh, no, he didn't present any threat. He was just trying to protect himself with the knife. injection 
when he hit the lady in the head at the other home. It's the dementia. So what his sister is saying, you have to admit him and evaluate the dementia and get an MRI of his brain. We have to, we have to, he has to be treated in a place that can handle dementia patients. So I'm afraid she's going to call and try to send it back to you. But like I say, the sister is working hard to get them to admit him medically, not to the psych unit, but to get him admitted medically to evaluate his dementia. But I'm afraid they're going to, they're going to try to, yes. Because otherwise she's going to call you up and say, oh, we gave him an injection, here he comes. We're sending it back. So you're going to have to decide if, you, if they, they pull that on you, whether you're going to take them or not. If, you, if the family won't object, if you say no and he has to go to a shelter, they understand. They understand that you just can't handle them in your house because there are other people there. They understand. Not good for him, but there is no good place for him right now, except in a hospital. way it should be done. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't understand why they did what they did. thing about Eric is they know him as he's Maybe that had nothing to do with it, and they were full. But the last, I think I may have mentioned, the last time he went to Unity Two, they sent him somewhere else. They did not admit him. And maybe they were just full. But they didn't just be full. They sent him all the way to Villarica to uh, to uh, Tanner Medical or to, to Willowbrook. So um, let me know if they something from him. His sister, his sister has not heard talk to the doctor yet. She's still waiting for a call back from the doctor about having about him being admitted to the hospital. So hopefully he can still be. But if you don't take him back, then we'll just have to, you know, that we'll have to deal with it. I'll put him in a hotel if I have to. Uh, he'll go to a shelter if he has to. But there's no point in him coming, going, through, going through the same thing again. If they give him, I'm telling you, if they give him an injection, he may be better for a couple days. Well, he had a couple. He had a couple good days over the weekend. You said taking no medicine. See, I don't know that the medicine, the psychiatric medicine, even does makes any difference here. But uh, okay, I'll stop talking. She put, so she was putting the Haldol in the hot chocolate. That's the one that, that's, yeah, that's the one that could make a difference is the Haldol. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why the last hospital put him on the Haldol instead of the injection. They thought the Haldol would do better for him than the injection. Because it's an older...
great pills. I want the great pills. I want the great pills. But that didn't make any difference. That's right. That, that way he could, he, could get the, he could get something to agree with the doctor and then, then yeah. Oh.